everybody. Welcome to The Kelly O Show. I'm your host, Kelly Alexa. This show is dedicated to inspiring women of all ages to pursue excellence in mind, body, and business. After decades of playing small in my own life and staying in the comfort zone, a couple of years of massive chaos and drama in my personal and my professional life forever changed me for the better. Through some tough lessons, I evolved and I became a stronger and more confident version of myself, fearless and finally, unapologetically myself. I am now designing my life bigger and better than ever before. And most importantly, I'm designing a life on my terms that is full of joy and happiness. And I think that this is something that's been missing for so many women. They're either staying in the comfort zone like I was or they've got a life that looks pretty good on the outside, but it's missing real joy and health and happiness. And that is no bueno. I believe that the future is female. And every week this show is going to bring you incredible interviews and live shows that I hope is going to motivate you to take massive action in your life, to leave the comfort zone and go all in again, to pursue achieving excellence in mind, body, and in business. I hope you enjoy the show and let's dive in. Hey everybody, let's talk about red light therapy. If you haven't yet heard my interview with Scott from Mito Red Light Therapy, I want you to definitely go check out that show at thekellyoshow.com. I firmly believe the more research that I do on this topic, I firmly believe every one of us should have a Mito red light in our house and be participating in, you know, by my understanding, five to 10 minutes of red light therapy a day. The health benefits are extensive. And let me just give you a quote. This is actually from Dave Asprey's website. Red light therapy works from the inside out to enhance mitochondrial function in cells. This in turn leads to several skin benefits. Red light decreases inflammation in the skin, smooths skin tone, repairs sun damage, fades scars and stretch marks, and even builds collagen in the skin, which reduces wrinkles. It also heals wounds and can prevent recurring cold sores or herpes simplex. Red light works on the lymphatic system to improve the body's detoxification abilities by increasing blood flow. It can even stimulate hair growth in the hair follicles. This is just a touch of the benefits that they're seeing from red light therapy. It is extensively studied. And once I interviewed Scott from Mito Red Light Therapy on the show, I literally was like every, I told my man, I said, you have to start doing this. I'm gonna start doing it every single day, twice a day. This is a priority. And I strongly encourage you to check out Mito Red Light. You can use the code, the Kelly O Show, to get 5% off their already ridiculously competitive rates. And when I say that, do your own research. One of the things that impressed me the most about Scott is he founded his company, Mito Red Light, because he'd known about the benefits of red light therapy, but wanted to provide an affordable option. This is for you. Start today. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to The Kelly O Show. This is a long-awaited episode, both for me to record. I've been meaning to record this episode for a long time. And certainly I've had no shortage of people reminding me that I promised I would share the story of how I manifested the love of my life. And I don't take any of these terms lightly. 
I absolutely cannot wait to share this story with you because when I think back, and I've mentioned this in several previous episodes, certainly in the series, my top 10 weight loss mistakes and how I'm fixing them. I talked a lot about, there was one episode where I talked about the importance and uh, significance of making a declaration in your life and versus just thinking about, wow, it'd be nice if I had this or wow, I'd love to have this. There's a distinct difference that happens when we make a decision followed by a declaration and a declaration is is a big deal. And I did that when I had a series of different events. And I, I specifically remember the timelines too. And I'll share that in this episode. But um, there was a series of events that opened my eyes to my life. And that at the track I was on, if I, you know, we always say, if you change nothing, nothing will change. I just realized that Number one, I I wanted love and I didn't want just someone to date. I I wanted to meet the great love of my life. I wanted and I knew I deserved it. And I knew that in order to make that happen, I had to change behaviors, practices, attitudes. You know, I, I had to be part of making it happen. I think so many of us want things to happen in our lives, but we don't realize that we're not taking any steps towards making that happen. And we're kind of unconsciously just expecting it to show up in our lap. You know, and when I say unconsciously, I mean, no one, no one sits around and, and, and I certainly wasn't, I wasn't saying to myself, well, someday somebody's just going to show up at my door. But if you really analyze your behavior and, and your actions, you'll realize like, well, that's kind of what you were doing. You were just expecting that in some magical way, this person was going to find you when you're unfindable. That's <laughs> not even a word. So anyway, welcome to this episode. I know that for those of you that listen to this, I hope if you are where I was um, a couple of years ago. Well, actually, I guess it would not be a couple of years ago. It would be maybe four or five years ago. I I know so many of you are probably in that place. And when I mentioned that I was going to be recording this show, I had so many women reach out to me and say, I'm really looking forward to hearing this because you you give me hope that I could be happy. You give me hope that I could meet somebody, um, that there are good men out there. And, and I'm going to address all of that stuff because if... If any of you have known me for a long time and and you were hanging out with me five, six years ago, 10 years ago, you would know I was that person that was terminally alone. I, I was that person that people felt sorry for, that people would go, I, I just don't understand. Like Kelly's pretty, she's got a good, you know, personality, she's fun, she's got a great job, she's got, you know, everything. Like, why does she never have a boyfriend? Why does she never go on dates? And people would say this to my face and I would wonder the same thing. And it just seemed to be my lot in life for the longest time. So I, I think today, maybe the in order to build up to, you know, the the activities that I t- that I specifically took in order to manifest the greatest love of my life, I want to give you a little bit of background because I do think that it's important for those of you who are listening. I want 
I want you to know, like, if you, if you can relate to where I was and how I felt and how doubtful I was that I could ever find happiness or even anything close to it, that's really an important part of this story. And then I'll share with you, you know, what happened with me making the decision and the declaration in 2017 that that year I was going to meet the love of my life. And I did. Um, And not only did I meet the love of my life, and it was pretty much exactly as I imagined, meaning he was, it was so far beyond, like God blessed me with a man and a relationship that is so far beyond anything I could have ever imagined, a happiness, a contentment, a comfort level, um, romance, intimacy, affection, trust, loyalty, respect, mutual respect, fun, friendship that I never, ever, 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 ever thought I, I would have. And I know that he would say the same thing. I do. And I know he'll probably listen to this episode. And I do believe, and I have to like really be careful so I don't get emotional and cry. Um, but I, I really do. I believe he would say the exact same thing. I mean, men don't talk about things the way women do. Like they don't talk to their friends and go, oh my God, it's so amazing. She's amazing. I love her so much. Um but I know that he would agree. He, he agrees. You know, I always say, I'm so glad I manifested us. And he'll be like, me too. I mean, like, I don't think he's going to be the type to say, go manifest Kelly. Like he's just not that, but he believes me, you know, because the facts don't lie. So let's start with my background first. So you can understand, you know, what led up to me finally really waking up from my coma of a romantic life or lack of a romantic life to making this decision. And, you know, here's the God's honest truth as, as far back as gosh, grade school. And don't worry, I'm not going to take you year by year. I'm just giving you an overview, but like, even when, when, you know, young kids were starting to have boyfriends in like grade school, not grade school, I'd say junior high. Um, I, I was totally clueless. I was a nerd. Um, I had crushes on boys, but you know, I didn't have my first kiss until I was 18 years old. Um, and I still, (laughs) I still remember, um, my first kiss in my parents' basement and my friend Jody was, was there and she was playing pool because she had set kind of set the stage for me and this Kevin guy to be making out. And it was just this big deal. And I remember I was so worried, like, what if he French kisses me and I don't know where to put my tongue and I'm, I'm just going to be freaked out. And God, I hope my mom is not listening to this podcast because she'll be like, Kelly, that's so gross. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> so I, I, my whole junior high and high school, while other girls started having crushes on boys and having boyfriends, I was the one nobody ever chose. I never had, I didn't have a date. I didn't, I think I, I think I had, um, I went to homecoming when I started a new school as a sophomore. Um, but I went out with the pastor's son and, um, you know, he didn't even kiss me. We both had braces. It was awkward. Um, so I had like 
near misses where boys would like me, but it never amounted to anything. Everything was always like this almost. So that was my high school experience. And then I got into college and, you know, I was such a a good girl in high school and, and grade school and junior high that for me, when I got into college and I suddenly didn't have my parents' rules to follow, I just became this wow, I can do whatever I want, girl. And, you know, that was when I started working in restaurants and meeting a lot of my good friends in the restaurant business and going out and partying a lot. And, and I think somehow that was about the time when I convinced myself that like everything at that point that I'd been exposed to showed me that all men are cheaters and all men don't want girlfriends. They don't want wives. I mean, th- this was like my world experience that I've been exposed to on television. So I thought, well, if I, you know, if I can't become somebody's girlfriend, I'll just be the one they want to hang out with. I'll be the cool party girl that that all the guys want. And that's really kind of how I positioned myself. Now, obviously, when you're 19, <laughs> 20 years old, you don't really think about positioning, but I'm just saying retroactively, I can look back at myself in those days and say, that's what I was doing. Deep down inside, I wanted to be loved. I wanted to be someone's girlfriend, but nobody would ever ask me out. I never had a date. And and I, with, with all the rejection with each year that proceeded when I would like a boy and he would like someone else and date someone else and become some, and somebody else would become his girlfriend and they wouldn't choose me. I just, became increasingly insecure, increasingly self-conscious. And yet I never had a problem attracting somebody to me that just wanted to mess around. And that just became my MO was I'm fun, Kelly party girl who doesn't want any commitment. And it's just there to have a good time. And that was just the way I lived my life socially um, in my twenties. And then I graduated college um, at Ohio State, moved to Chicago, started a job. And when I started working in, in corporate America, um, I, you know, again, experienced a lot more of the same things. I still remember at my first job, I had this huge crush on this guy, Ricardo, in um, accounting. And I mean, I pined for this guy. I thought he was so hot. And he and I became friends and we started joking around. And I thought, oh, he likes me. And I'll never forget, he came up to my desk one day and he's like, hey, can I talk to you? And I'm like, what? And I thought for sure he was going to ask me out. He said, and I don't even remember the girl's name, but he said, you're really good friends with her, aren't you? And I said, yes. And he said, I have the biggest crush on her. And I'm like, you know, she's married, right? And he didn't care. But that was, you guys, that was the story of my life. Everyone I ever liked never liked me back. And they would always typically like one of my friends. And I just became, again, it just continued. What happened for me in high school continued through college, continued through my early corporate years where I just, I took every rejection so personally, I became more insecure. That's when I started working out. I started doing a lot of Tybo, excessive cardio, trying to get in shape because I always, I always figured whatever was causing people to not choose me had to be me. It had to be that I wasn't skinny enough or pretty enough, or my teeth weren't straight enough, or I wasn't, you know, 
I, it was just always me. I, I figured like, what am I doing wrong that nobody wants me? And this just was, you guys, it was just the story of my life for as long as I can remember. Um, I never had a shortage of being hit on. Um, but it was funny because right around my thirties, that's when I started to <laughs> notice this bizarre trend that as I got older, the guys that would hit on me would be one of two kinds of guys, either a lot younger than me or married and older. And that seemed to be what was my thing for the longest time. So as, as I would, you know, 31, 32, 34, you know, whatever, it was always 22 to 25 year old guys that were asking me out. And I remember I got on, gosh, what was that? MySpace? Yeah. For those of you that are very young, you're probably not even, I think that was like before you were born, but my, I got on MySpace and I remember like this 21 year old fireman, some of my friends that are going to listen to this podcast are going to laugh at some of these memories, but, um, there were just a stream of very young, immature guys. And I, I didn't want to date young, immature guys. I wanted somebody my own age. I deeply, deeply wanted deep down inside to be in a loving, romantic relationship. But I, I was in this perpetual cycle of being rejected, never getting asked out. And then the only people that would ask me out would be like 24-year-old guys. And that just became my thing. So... I had no shortage of fun, non-committed relationships with guys, but I wouldn't even call them relationships. They were more like flings. And that's just, um, it's painful, but true. That's just the story of my life. And I had become accustomed to like, well, this is my life. This is, you know, and people would try to set me up. They were always feeling sorry for me. Like, let's try to fix Kelly. Let's try to get her somebody. And it did, nothing ever ever worked. And, and in between all of this, like if, if somebody would set me up with a guy, it would end up being like the worst date ever. I mean, I have some stories to tell you guys that you would, and I was the person that would entertain people with my stories. Cause they go, Oh, Kelly's here. I remember going to my friend's baby shower and they were, she's like, I was the only one who wasn't married. And that all the women sat around and, and asked for my friend, Bridget was like, tell them all of your bad date stories. And I was like, everybody's entertainment. And that's what I was used to. So this was my life for the longest period of time. And then when I was somewhere around 34, 35, um, I met my douchebag ex-husband at, um, Sam's club, which is why I'll never shop there again. (laughs) It's obvious they have clearance material. And, um, he and I started dating. We were together for two or three years. He was truly like my first serious relationship. And I thought, he was the greatest love. And, and probably at that time in context, he was, you know, I mean, because it was my first serious long-term relationship. Um, we ended up getting engaged. The truth is, um, I look back in retrospect and, you know, he just wanted to live together. And I told him I was not a fan of living together. And so he promised that we would get engaged and get married. And I just look back and I'm like, uh, that's not a way to get engaged, you know, when you have to like tell somebody in my opinion. And so I look back in retrospect and I'm like, I don't think we had a good start, but anyway, 
Um, that relationship lasted one year. So half a year into our marriage, he was cheating on me with this redneck um, down in Peoria, Illinois. Um, he ended up marrying her seven days after our divorce. Uh, to this day, he denies that he ever cheated on me. Um, our divorce was very ugly. And, you know, he he basically came home two weeks after our first anniversary and was like, Hey, how's it going? Uh, I don't love you anymore. Get out of our house. And he wouldn't give me any reason. He just literally, I'm, I'm not even exaggerating. He, I came home from work one day and he's like, I just don't think I love you anymore. And I'm not happy. And you're never going to go camping and fishing and hunting with me. And so I'm going to call a divorce attorney on Friday. I'm like, I thought it was a joke. I thought I was being punked, but it wasn't. And I think he thought that he was going to say that and that I was just going to go, oh, well, sorry, this didn't work out. Let me get out of your way. And I didn't because I thought he was my love and I, I wanted to go to counseling and I wanted to, of course, figure out what was wrong with me. What did I do to make Jim not pleased with me? And I remember you know, when he said this, I'm like, what have I done? Do I work too much? Do I not cook enough? Do I not have sex with you enough? Am I too fat? Am I too ugly? What's wrong with me? Because I thought if you did all the things right, you somebody could never leave you. Now, <laughs> obviously, this speaks to some other issues that I had about, you know, just complete and utter lack of confidence in myself and feeling the need to be accepted and approved of and never left by somebody. There's a whole lot of stuff I'm my therapist is unraveling there. So I see that. I see that, right? But it is what it is. And and this sets the stage for the decision that I make a couple of years later, several years later. So had a really bad divorce, got really ugly. You know, it certainly did nothing for my self-esteem um, to have my husband cheat on me with this really like incredibly white trash redneck skank. And, and then to marry her seven days after our divorce. And to this day, they're still married. So <laughs> that doesn't make you feel really good about yourself. And it just was another notch in the belt that was really restricting me and, and kind of suffocating me, figuratively speaking. Hey, everybody. Let's talk about skincare. We've talked certainly about the importance of self-care quite a lot on this show, And what could be a better way to invest in self-care than by getting yourself some of the best skincare on the planet? Now, I have learned a lot since getting my first Botox injection about the importance of medical-grade skincare. There is a world of difference between what you buy in a drugstore, what you buy in a department store, and when you're talking about medical-grade skincare. Now, one of the companies that I use have used for gosh, quite a long time, I bought it first at my Botox appointment, is Globiotics. We've actually interviewed the founders on this very show. Check out Globiotics.com. It's probiotic-based, medical-grade skincare. It's exceptional. And we've got a 20% off deal for you. Just use code thekellyoshow at Globiotics.com and you'll get 20% off. You're welcome. And then I remember right after my divorce, a couple that my parents knew set me up with their son who they said was just going through a divorce. And he just broke my heart because he was not only not divorced, but he was carrying on with a married woman out in Oregon or something. And he 
didn't want to be with me. He wanted to be with this married woman. And his parents were using me as bait to try to get him to, you know, date somebody who was available. And so right out of the gate after my divorce, I had my heart broken again. And then it was just, you know, me kind of getting back into my my old habits of, you know, just here I was 38, 39, I think. Um, my hormones at the same time were starting to go through perimenopause. So I was experiencing, you know, health issues on top of everything else. And uh, <laughs> then it was just like, you guys, this whole thing I mentioned earlier, I still, if, if anybody hit on me, they were 25 years old. It was this, it was really this joke. Like every guy that would ever hit on me was always 24, or 25 years old. And it still happens to this day. Like if I go and I'm traveling for business or if I'm anywhere and some young guy hits on me, I'll, I'll literally go, how old are you? And he'll say 25. And I'm like, I'm literally old enough to be your mother. And then they have mommy issues and we'll just move on. I'm not a cougar and I never have been. So it was never anything I was into. It was frustrating. It was frustrating to me, you guys, because especially at, you know, before I met Jim and after my marriage was over, I wanted someone my own age. I wanted to be with a grown man. I wanted to be with somebody who I could have intelligent dialogue with. And I wanted a a life partner. I didn't want a fling. I didn't want to be Kim Cattrall in Sex and the City. I, I wanted something real. And I just, it just kind of felt like as each year passed by, that was my thing. I was, even my dad, you know, people just felt sorry for me. My dad would go, God, Kelly, you know, like your mom and I'll be making pizza on a Friday night. I swear to God, my dad said this to me so many times. And we think about like, there's Kelly at home alone on a Friday night. She's always alone. I'm like, thanks dad. I appreciate it. Um, but I was, I was alone all the time. And when Uh, so my divorce from Jim was final in 2007. I ended up getting another, a great job after that. The market crashed in the, uh, end of 2008 and I was unemployed for 13 months. That was a really pivotal year for me. That's when I really got involved in social media and got on YouTube, started my blog. So there was a lot of change happening in my business world. And the truth is, I think many of you can relate to this. I just threw myself into business, A, because I've always loved business and and I love, I do, I love working. In fact, it still is, many of you know this, it's one of my biggest problems with my health is that I tend to be a workaholic and I really love working. I love, I still remember being like a young kid and that show 30 something came on. And the woman that I related to on that show was the career woman. That's what I always wanted to be. So when my love life didn't work out, I just threw myself into work and, you know, um, I ended up working at an agency and then you guys know, I founded a company called Fitfluential and that, that company exploded with growth and it was highly successful. And you know, I mean, since then I've had quite a lot of successful business ventures. I've been a very busy business person, but the truth is everything that I illustrated for you in the first part of this show, it just continued. I, I never got asked out. I never had a date. Every holiday would come around and I would always be alone. I was, I was increasingly insecure at every family gathering, um, because I would just look around and, 
you know, my nieces would have boyfriends. My sister had been married for 10 years. My parents had been married forever. My brother had been married forever. Like, and I was always like sad, pathetic loser, Kelly. It was always alone. And I would go home after, you know, and it would be Valentine's Day and I'd always be alone and my birthday I'd be alone. And I would always think like, God, wouldn't it be nice someday to maybe be in a relationship and have a man buy me a birthday present. Um, and I would, I would wish, and I would dream about these things, but I just, it almost became as realistic as, I don't know, me getting a movie role and becoming like a movie star. It, It was so unrealistic to me, the thought of potentially meeting somebody and being happy and being loved and, and having what I saw other people have. I, It just became something I got very used to. Never really thought about that I could do anything differently either because in the midst of all of that, certainly I had, you know, I would have people feel sorry for me and tell me that I should join a dating site. So somewhere along those years, I joined eHarmony, I joined Match.com, and I would start conversations with guys on there and then they would ghost me, you know, they would get to a a conversational point. And then it was just, it was just always these like crazy stories of, you know, I remember one guy, I had never even been on a date with him and he wanted to plan a vacation with me. I'm like, shouldn't we go out on a date first? And he's like, well, if, if you can't plan a vacation with me without meeting me first, then I don't think we're meant to be. And he broke up with me. These were the types of things that happened to me where it was just like, I was just used to everything being an aberration of the norm. And I will never forget, it was in 2015 that, I think it was October, November, and you guys have heard me reference this trip before, but I took a trip with, um, it was a sponsored trip. Me and my three good friends, um, Beth Santos, Juliana Dever, and Letitia Barr, And we were sponsored by Corning Gorilla Glass to take a trip out to Phoenix. And it was a five-day excursion and we were sponsored. We did all this fun stuff. And I became fast friends with these three ladies, all of whom are married, all of whom are, by my observation, you know, in a very happy life partner type of a situation. And we were out to dinner one, one night at the end of this get together. And two things happened in this conversation. One, we ran around the table and we were talking about, you know, what's the best trip you've ever taken. So we were talking about travel. Um, and all these women, all three of them were talking about all of these places overseas, you know, all these exotic locales. And I'd never been anywhere other than Putacana with my ex-husband. That was the only place out of the country I'd ever been. All of the trips that I could reference were business trips. And then secondly, they were just talking about their anniversaries and their, you know, plans and their relationships. And I remember sitting there going, I am such a loser. Like I'm almost 40. I've been alone my whole life. I got married once and I had my heart stomped on and spit out. And is this like really what I'm, what's, what I'm meant for? Like, is this it? Like, how can this be? what God wants for me. I just don't get it. And that trip, it just really made me think like, I deserve better. I deserve to have what other people have. I, I have been alone long enough and this is ridiculous. And 
so that was the beginning of me realizing, you know, really becoming more aware of what was missing in my life. And I, I know for sure that, that the next year to year and a half, yeah, it was about another, the next year and a half, there was just quite a lot of change that started to happen very quick, quickly in my life. Um, I became very disenchanted with running my business. There was a lot of chaos in my business life. I don't want to get into a lot of details, but I, I wasn't happy. I wasn't happy with my workaholic life. I wasn't happy with the fact that I had no social life. I wasn't happy and I felt trapped by my own company. I felt obligated to stay and keep running this business. I felt in every single way trapped. Um, and, and, and yet I was aware of wanting a different life, wanting to do things differently. So for the next year, year and a half, I started to, I, I guess, recognize that I was unfulfilled and recognize that I wanted a change. And so I'm not sure exactly when it happened, but in 2017, um, at some point, and, and this is the only part that I can't be specific on, there was some point in 2017 where I said to myself, I am going to meet the love of my life. I am going to, I deserve this. I want this. I believe that I can have it. I believe that you can meet somebody. I really just had this feeling like, what could be a better time to meet this, this person? Because I've been through so much life. I've transformed. I've matured. I've grown so much. Um, and, and, and I know what I want and I know what I don't want. And I just really thought that it was my time. And so, I, again, I don't remember at what point I made the decision in 2017, but I do remember specifically being alone and saying, <laughs> I'm done. I'm done being alone all the time. I'm done, you know, spending all my time inside the four walls of my apartment. I'm done knowing that I date my business. I'm done being married to my work. Um, and I, I decided, I decided that I was going to manifest the greatest love of my life. So how did this, <laughs> now that you're to the juicy part, right? How, how did I, I do this? And, and I'm going to tell you, like, it's not people that I read a book and it said, follow these five steps and, you know, do things in this order. It was really more about a lot of different approaches that I'd read in different books, you know, personal development books, um, books about that were kind of law of attraction focused, whatever. But I, I really, I, I kind of just went with my gut and I decided that every day when I had my morning routine, my, and I had my prayer and my meditation time that I would pray for. And, and actually I think maybe somebody Somebody I know had said something to me about, you know, somebody that had met the, the exact person they wanted. They said, I prayed for everything I wanted in, in a man. And, you know, have you ever asked for what you wanted? And I'm like, no. And, and I, I realized here's, here's a key point too. I told you guys in great depth and detail 
the, the history of my, my lack of love life. And here's the truth. I did a lot of complaining in those years and rightfully so. I whined and bitched and moaned and complained and I would complain to my parents. I would complain to my friends. I would complain to coworkers, anybody who asked me. But the truth is like I, you, those of you who listen to the show now know that my approach now to anything, whether it's work or personal related, is that when you want something, you have to have a game plan. You have to do something. You can't just sit back and say, this is what I want and think that it will, it's going to flow to you. And that's what a lot of, that's why a lot of people, when they hear anything about manifestation or law of attraction, they start rolling their eyes because they think it's like a wish list, a, a virtual wish list that you just say, I want to be wealthy and a check's going to show up in your mailbox the next day. And a lot of people will share stories and then those stories become memes and they float around. And that's why everybody doesn't trust this concept of manifestation and the law of attraction. But truthfully, the law of attraction and manifestation works with a lot of different factors. And, and to me, it's the combination of making a decision followed by a declaration, followed by changes in behavior which is massive action to use Grant Cardone's famous lines or famous phrases, massive action. Like you have to do something. If you change nothing, nothing will change. And so I was that person that was never going out, not on any dating sites, not traveling a lot, just basically working uh, all the time. And I, and yet I was whining like, Oh, I can't believe I never meet anybody. And every time I would go to Trader Joe's or I would go to the bookstore, I would think, maybe I'm going to meet him here. But you know, it's like, I was only out in public so many times. And it was my friend Debbie who had said to me, and and, and I remember my trainer in, in Austin would say to me every time we would train on Thursdays, like, what are you doing this weekend? I'm like, nothing. And he's like, when are you ever going to get out? And I'm like, well, who am I going to go out with? So I was in this perpetual cycle, you guys, of complaining that nobody would ask me out, but yet I never left my house and I sat at home every Friday night and every Saturday night, you know, and I was, I would go, you know where I would go? I mean, I would go to like TJ Maxx. I would go shopping for at home goods. You think I'm going to meet a guy at home goods shopping for my apartment and coming home and decorating my apartment by myself? Like I bitched and moaned and complained, but I wasn't putting myself in a position for success. And it was my friend, Debbie. She's a huge part of the reason that Steve and I are together because she was one of the people who I, she called me one time and she said, you know, she had met somebody and gotten married and, um, she's like, Kelly, like, what are you doing? What are you doing to make this commitment that you have? Like, you've decided you're going to meet the love of your life, but you never leave your house. All you do is work. And I'd heard this from a lot of people. So for sure, I was already in that, that, mindset in 2017 that I was going to meet the love of my life. I'd said it. I'd said it to several people. I think that this is key. When you make a decision, you have to make a decision and don't just keep it private to yourself. You've got to like walk and talk that decision and talk about it and and say it and say it repeatedly. Like this is the year I'm meeting the love of my life. I know it's going to happen. I'm going to believe it. There's several books that I'll reference as well in the show notes. One of them is, I believe it's called the magic of believing or the magic of belief. 
Um, it's a very old book. I was told about it by my business coach. She's a former Tony Robbins business coach. And she said, Tony Robbins always talks about this book, but you really have to believe you have to, you have to make that decision followed by a declaration accompanied by massive belief that it's going to happen. Like if you say, I'm going to meet the love of my life this year, but deep down inside, you're like, right. Good luck with that. So you really have to believe that it's going to happen and talk to the fact that it's going to happen. Share your your goal and your plan and then make an action plan that's based on change from, you know, shaking up your normal routine that that sh- that is putting you in a position to succeed, right? You know, it's like if you decide I want to say say you want to try out you're in college. You want to try out for the volleyball team. Would you just show up to volleyball tryouts if you've never played volleyball before and say, I'm well, I'm hope this goes well. No, if you want to put yourself in a position for success, you would go out and get a tutor and start playing volleyball every week so that when the times come for the tryouts, you're in a position for success. You've practiced, you, you know how to play the game. You're a contender. It's the same thing with something like this. So I knew that me just making my declaration and believing that it was going to happen and changing nothing else, that wouldn't do it. I knew that I needed to make changes. Now I did start doing, I'll tell you some of the things that I did within my normal life environment that were, I believe, part of setting the stage. So one of the things I did is I actually had my first reading with the spiritual into it. Now, as a Christian, I'm somebody that was, you know, I've had some people in my life tell me like that's witchcraft or that's the devil's work. You know, if you go have somebody who's going to maybe read your fortune or whatever. And I, I didn't know how I felt about that. So I went to see, I was in Naples and my friend Amy's like, oh, this is, you know, who I go see. And so this was my personal decision. I prayed about it before I went in and I said, God, you know, I'm cool with this. If you are like the way I'm looking at this as this is just another way for me to hear like a a message from God. And not that I'm saying like, I think God is speaking through this woman, but it's just like, we all can hear signs, right? And, and somebody might say something to us and you go, Oh, that's a sign. I'm supposed to hear that message. It's not like it's actually God speaking through that person. Hey everybody, let's talk about blood work. You've heard me talk about the importance of getting comprehensive, hormonal-focused blood work done since the dawn of time. Our friends at Alta Lab Tests, based out in the beautiful state of Arizona, where so many great companies are based, have the ability to service comprehensive blood work orders at 2,100 different locations across the country. I researched these guys, I've talked to the founder, I've talked to so many people at this organization and they really genuinely care about health and wellness and helping men and women get better health for the long term. This is life-changing stuff, people. I want all of you that have not had comprehensive blood work done to head on over there now. altalabtest.com forward slash the Kelly O Show order your blood work, get your health started in the right direction now.